You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Jones going to the other side, wide open, and look at this, caught by the rookie Andrew Thomas. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the football grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. Grump, I had to go uh, dig into the closet and look for my, my Giants hat. One, because we're recording this on Friday morning and I have bedhead. But two, we're going on a road trip tomorrow. That's right. And Chicago. Number three is that you kind of buried that hat in shame deep in your closet, right? <laughs> I think I ate it after that last game was so bad. But, <laughs> yeah, we're expecting uh, three to five inches of snow on Saturday and uh, I think a high of 20 for the game on Sunday. Low of six. So, you know. Is there a reason this game couldn't have been played in august well the season doesn't start till september well i mean it could it could it it has started i think on like august 30th before hasn't it uh it no it usually starts the week after labor day so Uh, no okay i mean maybe i think i try to think when i was a kid did it start labor day i don't remember but it's always been the week after labor day but yeah uh, i I think there was some sort of thinking that this game might be important (laughs) yeah i think we had this one marked off on our calendars we were really excited for this one well, we also um, I think the was, NFL probably thought this was a little bit interesting. Well, I thought maybe they could have potentially thought this could be a flex game if the Giants were worth half of anything. And Justin Fields turned into like a, a superstar as a rookie. There's a potential. So it would have been even colder to go to that game. But uh, alas, we are not very interesting. And Justin Fields is limited in practice this week. So you get insert your crappy backup quarterback for the Giants versus insert your crappy backup crappy. quarterback for the Bears. <laughs> yeah, we, we've already seen Joe Judge has come out and said that he's going to run a rotation of Jake Fromm and Mike Glennon. That's the last that we've heard as far as I know. Um, not very inspiring, but it wouldn't be any more or less inspiring than if he had just come out and said Jake Fromm or Mike Glennon. Both of those options are bad. Um, Th- that's it, Grump. What are you gonna do? I mean, we are what we are. This is what it is. Look, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be honest. I don't think either of those quarterbacks are as bad as they've shown so far this year. I don't think either one of them is good. We've gone on record. I'm not defending them, but the truth of the matter is that this offense is very bad, um, and it never really got off to the right start. And I, I'm not trying to make an excuse, but I am saying that because of injuries or talent or you know, offensive coordinator, maybe the fact that they fired him or, you know, the fact that the quarterback can't stay healthy or whatever whatever the the coalescence of, of reasons and excuses are, the fact remains that as a whole, this offense, not just the 11 starters or the 11 starters this week or the 11 starters last week, but every member of this offense, including coaching, they're not good enough and they're not... The, the timing isn't down on simple plays. I mean, it's quite frankly a disaster. And, you know, a bad quarterback, a bad backup is not going to be able to play to their limits, you know, when everything else around them is not working well either. It's just it's just the yeah, fact. It, I don't think either one of these quarterbacks is good, but we're not getting 100% out of them because we've got the, the, the timing on motion is off, the timing on blocks is off, missed blocks, you know, missed play routes. Play yeah. calling is just trying to prevent the worst case scenario it's, it's from It's different happening. week to week. The play calling is completely different based on the opponent because we just don't have the talent level to just go out there and run an offense. 
We don't. So this all, I mean, this is, it's partly that the quarterbacks aren't there, but it's, it's everything. It really is everything. And I said this a hundred times, Jake Fromm is a combination of not an NFL quarterback and not ready to be an NFL quarterback. He's really threw him into the fire. So you are behind the eight ball immediately bringing him in because he's just simply not ready to play the position. So, you know, maybe if this is two years down the line, Fromm can settle into a role as a backup in this league, you know, more power to him. It's not going to be with the Giants, but at this stage in his development, he is a raw green body out there right now. And Mike Lennon is maybe at the end of his road. You know, it's uh, again, he's got a lot. He's trying. He's pissing in the wind trying to play with the way this offense is, and you know the the personnel around him, the coaching, all everything you said, but. He's playing very poorly right now, and let's put it this way: giant front office over this offseason is going to evaluate how much of the poor performance of Glennon is the situation around him, or is it him? You know, and then they'll make that decision um, again. In the grand scheme of things, for the impact of this team, the backup quarterback decision is not a big deal. I know it is right now because he has to play, and that's all we really have to talk about to the end of the season but you know that's that's an evaluation for the next regime when they come in it's quite frankly it's an evaluation for upcoming episodes um you know it it sucks because there's not really much for us to talk about on a game-to-game basis which is 100 percent what i was trying to avoid this year i was hoping we would avoid this year i didn't want to talk about what we're what we're essentially talking about here which is we're pissed. We are pissing in the wind, waiting for the off season to start, so that we can talk about things that are relevant. And we could overstep our bounds and start talking about things now. But the fact is that because it's not time, and because things aren't official, and because so much is in up in the air, we can't really do anything except hypothesize, which is just silly because it's wasted time. I mean, we're discussing scenarios that are not a hundred percent going to happen. So, um, yeah, it sucks, but. Mike Lennon, you know, this offseason, it's – there are so many things that need to be addressed this offseason that obviously backup quarterback is not going to be a big deal. But every decision needs to be a big deal going forward with the cap situation that they're in, with the amount of draft capital, with the turnover, with the 10 years of being irrelevant. You know, all these things – every decision is going to be major. It's just going to be whether it's – the, what do you want it to be? If, if the decision if your if your solution for that decision is going to be a major move or a minor move because you determine it to be the most important or the least important but it is it's important at this point i mean they they cannot they have to acknowledge that if if they're rolling out there with daniel jones as the prospective starter and they're not drafting a quarterback or anything like that they need to understand that the backup has to be prepared to play at least two games that's who daniel jones is at this point Right? After sure. three years, we know that what makes Daniel Jones Daniel Jones is his ability to throw downfield and his ability to run, which means that he will get hurt. And also his inability to slide and to protect himself. I don't he... even think that's necessarily part of it. I think it's just well, – I mean they're, they're, the, the guys who are built like Eli Manning are very few and far between in general. I mean, yes, Eli didn't run, but he took a lot of shots and always came up. And, and there just aren't a lot of guys like that. But this guy can't. And my point is that he doesn't really do the things he needs to do to put himself in the best position not to get hurt. Also, he he tries to truck people. He you know he does not take the slide a yard earlier just to 
you know, if, if he's running. He has to learn that. He and, does, but I mean, I think, again, I think part of that is that half the time that he's, I, I don't know. There, there are, I think if, he can be taught to slide, I think, if situationally his scrambles are not always third and 11 and he's fighting to get the 11th yard for the first down. I think if it's second and nine and he sees a lane for five yards, I think you can teach him to slide. I think part of it also is him trying to do everything because his offense it. can't do it, anything. It's more than even the learning how to slide. It's right. It's, learning, it's situational. Maybe you should try to absorb a hit in the situation as opposed to trying to get that extra yard wherever it is. And I think he, I think, you know, watching film of him and, you know, during games, it's just like, that was an unnecessary hit. Sometimes. Yeah. He has to learn maybe that unnecessary hit shouldn't happen. Just go down right there. We'll get yeah, by another day. Look, look, we're, we're talking about these kinds of injuries, but there are other ones. I mean, like, the hamstring injury that he had last year, yeah, it happened on a run, but that didn't really look like it happened because of a hit. No, that didn't. Yeah, so, I mean, I think we just have to accept that Daniel Jones may miss two games a year, even if he's not trying to do everything. So that means that your backup can't just be a throwaway guy, in my opinion. You need a guy with a head on his shoulders and with an arm to throw your offense. And I don't think it's a bad idea to get a guy that can move, too. I mean, last year I suggested Terod Taylor. Because he's a guy who can move. I, I literally said all of these things last year and I'm thinking about it. Terod Taylor is a is a smart guy. He's been a backup before. He's a professional. He can help push Daniel Jones. He can help teach Daniel Jones just as part of being in the room with him, by the way. I don't mean to take him under his wing because I don't think guys really do that. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, and he can go out there and he can run the offense probably. Um he was obviously going to be a very expensive option. They decided to not spend money in that position. They spent money elsewhere. They spent a lot of money in three particular positions, and that was Leonard Williams, Adoree Jackson, and Kenny Galladay. A lot of money spent there. Um, and they decided not to spend a lot of money on a backup quarterback. Uh, I think that might have been a mistake. I think they need to acknowledge that that is an important position on this team with Daniel Jones as starting quarterback. Yeah, and again, I think it, it kind of backfired with Colt McCoy, where I think they assumed he was going to get more in the open market than he actually did. Maybe, yeah. Because he ends up getting roughly the same as what Glennon got. <clears throat> um, so the Giants injury report for this game, it's something. <laughs> it's something, man. Uh, you know, the guys who did not practice on Wednesday were Barkley, Brightwell, Gano. Austin Johnson, Colin Johnson, Raymond Johnson, Billy Price, who unfortunately is dealing with uh, his wife, I believe, had a an, a pregnancy terminated or something like that, uh, about fifteen weeks in. So he may he may play. I don't know. He might he missed practice because of a personal issue. Basically, is what I'm saying. And you know, whatever thoughts thoughts go out to him. That's a difficult decision. That's awful. Yeah. Uh, but Kyle Rudolph either, and Kadarius Tony pops up with a shoulder injury now, which he has not had. So, I, you know, basically, I'm going to ask you two questions, and we'll put them, you, know, you can answer them back to back. One, why uh, are we going? <laughs> no, no, we're going for the fun. I mean, I wanted to go to Chicago anyway. It's awesome that it's going to be a snow game. We got to do the snow game for the Packers two years ago. Right. right. And uh, as much of a waste of time as that game was, that was, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, and I was really cold, but that was a lot of fun. <laughs> I uh, I loved that, and that you know that was my first snow game. We've been going to games for years. I think I've only been to like one or two, yeah. and nothing like you know. That was that was insane because we didn't know it was going to snow that day. I don't think, and just big flakes just All started of a sudden, coming. Like, what's this? Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, so my two questions are: 
Um, you know, with all these guys out for practice, they're not really sure who is going to play. I, I don't even know how to preview this game, by the way, because I have no idea who's going to play. Um, it's but secondary at this point. <laughs> the first question is, specifically for you, um, Kadarius Tony's popping up with another injury on the injury report now. Can you detail what his injury history was like with Florida? And then also, as a second question, you know, with all these guys potentially being out, um, I mean, there's a chance that we lose this game before the game even starts with the amount of guys out. Do we even want to win this game? So uh, hit me hit me with those back-to-back. Well, Kadarius, the Kadarius Tony question, I mean, this is what his career was like at Florida up until his senior year. There was always something. There was a hamstring. There was a uh, something with his shoulder. There was this little nagging things that just kind of hung around. I think it was his junior year he missed six games, if I remember. Um, so he was never – he was always someone like – the thought of Kadarius Tony was always more exciting than what you actually got for production because he was never on the field because he always like – always out this week against Tennessee. It's like, oh, oh, he's out against LSU? Great. So this is kind of – this was the – the downside would scare me about when they drafted him is like his availability. He always mm. had these little nagging things. Nothing nothing major, like he never had like an ACL or anything, but just is always a hammy that lasted three, four weeks. And it so, kept him out of games. Right. Mm. And then a lot of times, I think it was his sophomore year, it was one of those, well, he's not practicing this week, but he's going to play. And you know, okay, well, he's playing, but, you know, you're really getting, you know, the reps of what you need in practice and, and make yourself sharp and everything. So I think, you know, hopefully this is not going to be a continued trend, you know, next year and going forward where you're never going to get 100% Kadarius Tony. There's always going to be something going on, and this year has been a disaster. I mean, we had we had him on the injury report as much during, you know, training camp and OTAs and, and as we did during the season. So hopefully, you know, once you know we we get an early start to our off season, he gets himself well and healthy, and we get a full year out of him and other full years. But I can't guarantee it right now. It doesn't seem likely based on his past uh, history. Um. So, I mean, essentially, we've gotten a slot receiver to replace Sterling Shepard. That's just a little bit different, uh, but but also kind of the same. I mean, Sterling Shepard is always dealing with nagging injuries, but also has those those season ending ones yeah. uh he's currently dealing with one but i mean i think st- they're they're a little different in their ways that um sterling shepherd is you know he's not nearly as twitchy uh or he's or as explosive or like right but he's much more reliable he's also probably a better blocker and i think he's probably a little bit smarter you know you're talking about you know at one point at uf tony would be missing a whole week of practice but then play the game we're not dealing with an Ahmad Bradshaw in 2011 that's been with the team for five years and knows the playbook and just can go out there and just rumble through people. I mean, this is a guy who, I mean, he missed playing time early this season because he didn't have practice time. Joe Judge said it straight up. Um, and that, I, I, I don't know. It goes back to this whole thing where the entire offense is out of sync. And it always was. So, I, you know, I don't know. Is that more damning? Is the fact that he wasn't even on page with the guys who were not on the same page, you know, is that is that bad, or is or is it simply that, you know, he was new, so Judge was like, yeah, he's not on the same page yet, but these I, other guys, I trust them to get it together. 
I think it's the latter. Yeah, I think so too. And I think that those are the type of decisions that Joe Judge is making. I think that ownership has made their evaluation they want to bring him back. How does he look at things big picture? I know it can't be just on wins losses. You know, when they say they like the foundation that Joe Judge is building and the culture he's building, it's that type of CEO type decision making that he's making that it's impressing him. So I think that's also the right thing too. I think rookies should get a little bit of a slack when these big picture things, they're not professionally mature and they're not, you know, emotionally mature. The guy's still 21 years old. Yeah, I mean, I think you take it on a case case by case basis, but but I agree with you in this instance. And also, it's not like he was running a pro style offense for four years at UF. Different. That's correct. Yeah. So, um, all right. And then the, my second question there: um, Do we want to win this game? I'm being serious now because I, I didn't anticipate having to ask this question, but it does raise some interesting scenarios when we look at our current draft order. So right now. One, two, three, and four are Jacksonville, Detroit, Houston, and the Jets. Five, six, seven, eight are Giants, Jets, Panthers, and then Giants again through way of Chicago. Following that is just Washington and Atlanta. So we have the situation where we own the fifth pick and we are taking the eighth pick from Chicago. Um, A couple of monkey wrenches into this plan. You know, we were all that. The reason, quite frankly, the reason we're going to this game is because we wanted to see, we wanted to watch our draft pick. Basically, you know, we had an expectation that Giants wouldn't be in the shitter like they are. Hmm. We figured maybe they'd be drafting, you know, mid-teens, high-teens. You know, the season would be going in a, you know, an alternate universe. We're halfway decent, maybe looking at uh, sniffing the playoffs or something. And it'd be like, well, we should go and watch us beat Chicago to help our draft pick. And alas, it didn't happen that way. And I think the other monkey wrench into this is Washington, uh, Chicago winning last week. That kind of uh yeah you know if they lose that game last week you know there that that pick doesn't drop back to eight you know it's probably still six or so it makes it more interesting i mean there's there's two schools of thought here it's do you want to have your first pick be the best pick or do you want both picks to be closer together uh i tend to think the latter i would rather have you know if if it sacrifices the giants going from three to four but it makes the chicago pick six as opposed to nine hypothetically i think i'd rather have that i i like to have the the two best assets that we could have because you never know what's going to happen you know you don't know if there's going to be a run on quarterbacks ahead of us you don't know if some mystery team is going to want to trade and i'd like to hold the best cards possible for that so i think it's in our best interest that we beat Chicago you know I don't know I think I agree with you a little bit um, I would like to have I, I like the idea of having back to back picks is, is kind of awesome because you can almost take a flyer I mean you, you get a lot of times you kind of look at the pick before you and like well if they go this way then I'll take this thing but if they take this guy then I'll go this way and if they take this guy then I don't really know what I'm going to do I might have to consider a trade down you know if this guy is still available someone might want him but you know when you have back to back picks you don't have to worry about the person behind you and you have a lot more leeway because you know exactly what's coming the pick before your pick and, and it's exactly. it's kind of cool um snaking that way and you know you see that in like fantasy drafts and stuff like that it has its own distinct advantage uh, when you do snake uh, drafting and things like that. But, um, 
You know, I think there might be, because of this quarterback class, an incentive to have the highest possible pick and trade out of it. Um, I personally don't think... Excuse my cat. um, I personally don't think that the Giants are going to take a quarterback in this class. And we'll get into that a little bit because, you know, that's, that's a bigger conversation. But... You know, there's there's two guys I could see, and I got to do work on them, so don't don't take this yet. But but Kenny Pickett and Matt Corral are two guys that I had earmarked as guys I kind of liked. Um, Howell kind of fell off a little bit for me at UNC, um, and this year didn't do anything to change my opinion. Uh, but I'll do work on him as well. But outside of those two quarterbacks, um, you know, guys like Malik Willis, Sam Howell, um, and if if the Giants don't want him at all. There's just this this strange group of guys where no one's really, at least yet, stood out. And I think there's a chance that you can trade that pick. And right now you're dealing with a Dallas Cowboys team that is head and shoulders better than everybody else in the division. Washington that is essentially a quarterback away from being better than the Giants. Uh, clearly, in my opinion. Um, if based on nothing else than coaching is this deciding factor. Um and an Eagles team that is currently better than the Giants, uh, sort of. I mean, you know, when we're at full strength, we beat them. But um, but they also own three picks in the first round. So for me, I think if you have any chance of turning your two picks into three picks, you do it. And the closer you are to the bottom, the better you are. And that, you know, th- there's a lot of edge rushers in this class as well. Now, I know the Giants need an edge rusher. Maybe, maybe getting... A, a real shot at somebody like Aiden Hutchinson or, or you know, Kayvon Thibodeau or or something like that. You know, maybe maybe just having the pick and using it for that makes this team better. But you know, maybe trading out for whatever haul, whatever whatever phone call comes your way, maybe is the best way to fix this team because as we've discussed numerous times, they need like three to four offensive line pieces in addition to other things. You know what I mean? Like they need that just to be competent, not even to just you know Plus, be good. Who knows what we're going to need when there's going to be salary cap casualties too? Yeah. We're looking at the roster right now, but you know they got to figure out a way to get under the cap to be able to make moves for next year. So there may be needs on this team we don't know about just yet. Yeah, and and like I said, so you have teams like Carolina and you know maybe even Atlanta might be looking at a quarterback. Washington's looking at a quarterback. I don't know if you want to trade with Washington, but maybe if you really don't love the quarterback that they're about to go after and you think they're making a mistake, you make the trade. If, if they know. want to overpay, I mean, a team like Washington has been known to overpay for things. Yeah, like safeties. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, you know, maybe maybe even Denver at 11. I don't know how much they're going to want to move, but quarterbacks can fall, man. I mean, there might be a chance that the Giants even own the fifth pick and somebody wants to move up from 11 to 5. Um, I I don't know. I I think I agree with you, but I think the way to get there isn't to win this game. I think it's to lose, the, lose this game and trade that pick or, take, or, or find yourself in the luxury of being able to pick somebody like Hutchinson or Thibodeau. I think that's the way to make this team better. I, mean, I don't. I mean, I'm not. I'm not going to be. I, I have a feeling we're going to be at this game, and we're going to look at the result, look at each other, and shrug. Right? Yeah. I mean, I know what you always say. You know, in the heat of battle for three hours from noon to three Central Time, we're going to be rooting for the Giants to win. 
Oh, I mean, I, I can't actively. Re- I, I can't oh, no, do. Will, Why would I go at that point? I'm just. Right. I'm not going to watch. I'm not going to go if if I want to lose. It's, it's going to be what's our post game reaction? Like, okay, well, that actually worked out better. Or even no, something. We're, we're splitting hairs a little bit in this situation. Definitely, we definitely. It's not are. a question of like, well, if we lose, our pick gets transferred to Dallas. Like, it's not. Yeah. We're talking dire straits. If you know Chicago wins or loses, it's just in a. Per- what is the what puts you in the best? strongest possible position heading into into the draft in, into who you're going to pick into any potential trade you're going to make things like that it's very close between the two i think we're splitting hairs a bit but again i i think i'd rather have the two bunched a little higher you know i i i want that chicago pick to be more relevant i think i think that's kind of a that's the wrinkle that we really really helps us and well quite frankly it's going to come down to just this whether they Trade, don't trade, win, lose, get better picks, get worse picks. Regardless of any of those scenarios, the fact is that this team needs to, for the next couple of years, they need to nail the draft. Period. I mean, it doesn't really matter what, you know, whatever shakes loose. At the end of the day, like, whatever happens on the field, whether it's win, loss, tie, or or anything else uh, around the league, that's going to be the truth. And not, so, only, not only that, we need guys to make immediate impacts so we can make easier decisions for future picks. You know, right now the situation with Daniel Jones is, well, we don't know. Yeah, and, and we don't. We can't be in the situation where we don't know. This was the worst right. case scenario was to have an offense perform so badly that we didn't know about Daniel Jones. I mean, here we are. I want to be able to say let's give up on him. We're in a position right now in this draft to take a quarterback. We're there. We landed there. We've got two picks. We can trade up to number one overall probably to get whoever we want. But this isn't a great quarterback class. And I, I'm i sitting here looking at what Daniel Jones did against the Saints when people were healthy and what Daniel Jones did with Freddie Kitchens as his OC against the Eagles and the Raiders. You know, I mean, I look at a guy who's, who's night and day different throughout the season and we couldn't – this is what couldn't happen is we couldn't be in the situation where we couldn't tell that Daniel Jones was either the problem, the solution or just somewhere in the middle. Yeah, and that's where know, we I are. I know that he sucks and it's like, well, it's Absolutely, yes. And we're not there. We're not there. Um, I mean and it's perfectly fair to just say, you know what? I've seen enough to know that he's not going to elevate us so let's move on but – that's a big decision to make. It's a big decision when there are other bigger decisions. And I, that's what I keep going back to. It's like, yeah. yeah, you may hate Daniel Jones. You may have made your decision last week. You may have made your decision on draft night when we drafted him. But again, <laughs> at what cost? Everything in this league is at what cost? It's at what salary cap costs? At what uh, what cost of somebody you're not going to draft because you're drafting a quarterback? And those things all have to be considered every single time you make a call this guy sucks. Get rid of him. Draft a quarterback. Draft a, a, a an edge rusher. I know we we know we need these things, but what is the proper order? And that's why guys get paid millions of dollars to be the next GM of this team. They're the ones that have to figure it out and make the right call. Yeah, and speaking of the next GM of this team, my God, I you know I, this <laughs> this week. We've become this, a bad soap opera. Oh my god, it's worse than that. It's worse than that. We've we've entered the the realm of YouTube drama and and e entertainment um, drama, talk soup, and other such nonsense. Um, 
No, really. I mean, this is this is sad. So we're we're dealing now with the situation where we have ex giant scouts leaking stories for articles, which we've already detailed. They're still going on and on on Twitter. We've got Pat Hamlin, the Giants' head of public relations, calling them out in in dramatic Twitter teenager fashion by quote tweeting and, and saying they've got receipts and there's a reason he was fired, and then. Dude, we've got other guys who are scouts on Twitter who who aren't even affiliated with the Giants saying they are hearing things. I'm not even sure he's a real person and not a teenager with an account <laughs> because he literally spends all day on Twitter, all day on Twitter. Um, you know, I just – I don't know. But the, the real piece that really pissed me off was Thursday, right, was the article came out in the morning, uh, which, you know, that was yesterday. Basically, from Paul Schwartz, and it 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 read very much like Big Brother, like state media, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, so we have essentially Paul Schwartz coming out and saying a whole bunch of things that are very, very, very reactionary to what the current climate is. Essentially, on Twitter, I don't even know if this is the current climate outside of Twitter um, for Giants fans, but you know. Sort of endorsing Kevin Abrams as as a smart guy, a well-liked guy, but he's also not getting the inside track, but also he kind of deserves a GM spot in the league. Um, but but don't worry, we're not we're not automatically making him anything. And then also saying, you know, outside hires, they're getting a real shot. You know, we've we've got some guys where we're thinking about that. And and they're not locked into Joe Judge or Daniel Jones, uh, but they will need a compelling case if they come to with with a compelling pace of John Mara, then they'll do it. But it's just, it's very much a reaction to everything that people are currently complaining about, which is just such a gross look. And I I hate it. I hate everything that's happening right now. It's embarrassing. First thing, let me back up one second, Grump. And I just thought of this. You said, you know, is Gator, uh, Gator, sorry, Giants Twitter representative of the fan base? No, not necessarily. I'm I'm saying, is that the current climate outside of Twitter? Do people outside of Twitter even know this is happening? That's what I was about to ask you. Like, just a little higher question than that is, does it seem more and more like when we're at games and the average guy standing around is starting to sound more and more like Giant Twitter? I think so. I feel like the fan base is the fan base of real people and the the loudmouths on Twitter is starting to get more and more like I think what's happening is you know maybe five ten years ago people parroted what they read in the newspaper or parroted what they heard on the fan. Now it feels like you know when you're sitting around people, people are parroting what they see on Twitter, and I think they're starting you now whether it's just you know saying what they read or that's what they actually think. I feel like giant twitter is starting to get more and more of the pulse of what the fan is or it's vice versa so that kind of that kind of answer your question what you said yeah it kind of does yeah um i just i don't know what did what did you make of the the article from paul schwartz and, and i don't know what was your overall reaction to it my overall reaction is we've hit that point where we just need this season to end. Definitely. I mean, that's, that's basically all it is. And forget, well, let's see Glennon again or, you know, this coach. This all, you know, is uh, uh, Kay Corleone said in, in Godfather 2, this all must end. The season has to end. Everything is bad. There's no good news coming out of this. We're entering now, you know, like you said, the talk soup realm of this team where – you're just getting into the silly zone of it. It just 
we can't there's nothing we can do to improve this team or improve the optics of this team until the season is over and we can actually start reshaping this roster whether it's through cuts whether it's through trades draft new hires everything the season has to end and until it does you know we are now the target of the vultures the vultures being you know the mass media twitter other fan bases our own neurosis as a fan base we just have to get through chicago get through washington season over the announcement about Gettleman, he's gone. New GM comes in. That's done. We can stop with the who should it be, who will it not be. We just need definitive things to happen. And while we're in this purgatory, you know, this limbo state, all it is is just people who have – it's kind of like the draft where we talk about the draft for so long. You talk yourself in and out of people just because you have nothing else to talk about. Nothing is happening. And that's what's happening with this team now. You're going to get these articles. You're going to get these things that people just – every extreme opinion one way or the other is going to come out because we just have time and nothing else is happening. So to me, the best thing that can happen for this team is the final whistle after the Washington game 2021. We throw in the garbage and we start moving forward. And until then, just cover your ears. Don't follow Twitter unless you're following Grump or me. Uh, but that's where we are right now and that's what happens when you're a sucky team in a bad situation. So I, I agree with you. Um, I think that this season needs to end. Uh, the sooner that they can start reeling out some positive news for the fans, or you know, uh, we're just definitive news, like not just rumors and stuff. Actual, you know. But, but it, so here's my question: friends, It's news. And but, that's okay, that's is. that's fine. And I and I, you know, we we detailed Kevin Abrams and what I think he might represent. And, and I, I also think, by the way, I also think that Kevin Abrams has been running the show for most of the year. That's that's my that's my conspiracy theory. I believe it. I have nothing to support that. I just believe that. Um, other than you know, I'm extrapolating from the fact that like suddenly he is involved in pressers this year I was and just things using like him that. As an example of like if that's the I know, but but here's my actual question because we agree that the season just needs to end. Some positive news needs to happen, but. So, so why is Gettleman retiring at the end of the season necessary? I know people have been saying this for a while because, like, he doesn't deserve it or, or you know, whatever. Like, putting that aside, just seriously, if your team desperately needs, you know, some kind of positive things, don't you think that, you know, Gettleman announcing his retirement, even if he's he, – even if he just announces that at the end of the year he will be retiring, not even that he's retired as of this moment – don't you think that that's throwing the fans a bone? Like, why are we waiting on this? Or is he not out? Well, you know, you know, there's a lot of things there. I mean, it's very possible that we all assume he's going to retire. I mean, we, okay, wait, wait, wait. I mean, well, true, but but I mean, we have a whole article out about how Kevin Abrams is not necessarily the next GM and stuff like that. I mean. Ownership is saying that he's out without saying it. So just say it already. Just say Dave Gettleman – just tell him that he is allowed to retire at the end of the season, but he's got to announce it now. Why? Why Why are we waiting? If it's so important that this team needs to start generating positive – we have two games left that don't matter. Well – Is there a benefit to holding on to it right now? Or is it simply this we do everything with class kind of I mantra? Think it's well, first of all, I, what is Gettleman's official contract? Is he, that, we don't know that information. Well, I mean, no, 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 no. I mean, like, is it through the end of this year or is it beyond? We don't know that information. Okay, so my first thought is they're not going to fire the guy because if you fire him, you have to pay him. 
and if he retires, you don't have to pay him anymore. So I don't. They will never fire the guy. I think they're going to work. I think they'll work out some sort of agreement. So you think money is an issue? Yes. Oh, yeah, maybe maybe they shouldn't be paying family members to not do anything. I, I, I listen. I mean, we, again, we don't know. We don't know how much Gettleman's even getting paid. If he's getting paid, yeah, I, two three million dollars a year. I don't even know what the going rate is for a GM. I have no right. idea. How would I, mean, I know I, that? I think I think that's a, a that's one facet of it. I don't think it's the only reason, but again, I think it's a it's a it's a money issue part partly. Second of all, I just think that. Again, the Giants have this thing. They, they, they. It's part of their family. They're not going to hang a guy out to dry and say, like, even Tom Coughlin. We all knew it. Well, he announced it the week, right before the last game, right? Uh, I, I really don't remember. I think. They, I think yeah, so. I, I well, I don't know if he announced it or if it was that. just. I, I don't know if 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 he announced anything or if it was just allowed to be leaked to the press. Yeah, we'll have to look back on that. But I remember. I'm pretty sure. There. I'm pretty sure he didn't announce anything. Or maybe the giant. I don't remember. But there was definitely a big love fest for him that last game. Yeah, because I think there was a targeted leak. In the same way, we didn't mention this, by the way. But this Paul Schwartz article came out. But literally every Giants beat writer and Adam Schefter walked back on some things on Jordan Raynon's podcast about you know uh, being. 100% glued to Judge and Jones for next year. He walked back a little bit on that. But it was very odd and gross that every Giants beat writer just kind of did this half-assed like retweet of the article and just said like, oh, this is must-read material. Not really a detailed or enthusiastic appreciation for the article, but every single one of them was just like, you should read this. It was just like, should I? Do I have to? I, don't, I think the bottom line, it may be as simple as this ownership is pretty incompetent with public relations with a lot of things a lot of i i think that i think a lot of that might be the case with this i mean whether they officially announce he's not coming back this week or in two weeks it doesn't make any difference on who they're i am positive they are doing back channel communications with the candidates that they're interested in that i'm sure of so that i don't think it's preventing them from doing anything and i'd rather them do these things behind the scenes than having a public interview process i don't need to know every day who they're interviewing who they're reaching out to it's up to them to be doing that so i don't think there's any issue of like well they'll get a leg up for two weeks if they announce it now that's all going on anyway so i just think it might i I mean i agree with that but what i'm saying is just you know just the just just the affirmation that he's going to retire at the end of the year is throwing the fans a bone it's it's giving them that confirmation that okay at least Gettleman is officially like we know this is happening. I don't know. I don't. I don't see what the harm is for that. I think at this point the fans assume it so much already. Right. It's this is not a. I mean, I agree, but what's I mean, the harm? We, we would all be shocked if he's back next year. Shocked. I I I hundred percent agree. I still don't see what the harm is. Maybe Gettleman doesn't want it announced, and so maybe they've talked about it. Maybe he said. I, I would rather not. I mean, guys have egos. Well, you know what? I'm going to say that that was a calculated risk that they undertook because every single day that goes by in these next two weeks has been worse and worse PR for the front yep. office. They they have come out of their way to ensure – it certainly appears that they went out of their way to ensure an article was written and seen that defended them, which is gross. And also no one bought it. 
No one read that article and was like, see, I told you the Giants had this under control. Like, literally nobody had that reaction to it. They're all kind of like us. I mean, yeah, and and I I don't know, man. Um, These next two weeks, we're going to do the best we can to be cheery and not be dragged down by any of this nonsense. We're hoping that we're going to have some real off-season news. I've started to do work on Senior Bowl invitees. Um, so, as I think of interesting things, and we're not talking about off-season stuff, I do do polls on Twitter. My most recent poll, which I thought was kind of interesting, was, you know, when we're dissecting this tight end room, we're thinking that Kyle Rudolph is probably gone. We're thinking that Evan Ingram is almost certainly gone, which leaves us with a tight end room of Caden Smith and two practice squad guys. Um, so, how best is it that the Giants replace a tight end spot? Because it's something they're going to have to do for tight ends two and three. Should we be getting another guy like Evan Ingram that's a mismatch guy? Or should we be getting a you know a blocking tight end that can run kind of routes or whatever? So I, I read that, that depends on, I think, on a lot of it, who the offensive coordinator is going to be. Sure, of course. But, I mean, uh, regardless, they're going to have to be working on this kind of stuff anyway. And they're, they're – um, Priorities are going to be what they're going to be. Uh, so I ran that poll just to see where the fans were at. You know, obviously this is not a question for the franchise, but the fans seem to be over eighty percent on the side of getting a blocking tight end instead of trying to make a receiving tight end be a mismatch guy. Um, and I think that that's probably the right decision when you're a bad team. You know, the best thing you can do when you're a bad team is get better in the trenches, in my opinion. Because we have weapons. We have weapons. We, we yeah, weapons. that's the other thing. You know, we, you went out, you got Tony, you've got Galladay, you've got Darius Slayton. Uh, you know, you you have you have guys. It's not like we're without weapons. We already spent $72 million on a big receiving weapon. Is yeah. the next guy have to be that? I don't think so. So I am going to be running polls like that for a little while. So be sure to follow me on Twitter at football underscore grump and follow him as well at the cranky fan and the show at just giants pod, which is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Google play, as well as a video version on YouTube. So and, be sh- yep. And this weekend, you know, like I said, we're, we'll be in Chicago starting Saturday, early afternoon. We're going to go to some bar and watch the bowl games, grab a dinner and, meet up somewhere before the game so if anybody is going to chicago and wants to either hang out with us before or even hell yeah man we haven't even got tickets yet we're gonna get tickets probably saturday night or sunday morning let us know if you want to sit with your fifth and sixth favorite giant podcast host (laughs) (laughs) in chicago let us know and we'll uh we'll, we'll all get tickets on stuff up together so uh reach out and let us know we'd love to uh get the get the full grump and cranky fan experience oh yeah We'll get we'll get good and lit up before the show, so you get the full yeah. the full thing. All right, everyone, we will see you um probably Tuesday morning. I'm gonna think most likely um, unless we unless we're feeling sassy right after the game and we do a you know a, a, a on location show. But we'll plan yeah. on Tuesday. Hey man, that's why goes. that's what you subscribed for is to know when things are dropping early and when they're not. Mm-hmm. So bank on everything being on Tuesday at the normal times. So we'll see you then. And, Until then, and also. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy Happy New Year. Oh, yeah. Happy New Year by the time. uh... You'll be getting this on New Year's Eve. And, uh, you know, we really appreciate everybody. This has been a a really, you know, in spite of what we have to talk about, it's been really fun talking with everybody and meeting lots of new friends. You know, our. Yeah, it's been an odd combination of rough and uh, endearing season. Yeah. Yeah. We're hoping for the next year, you know, A, the Giants are better. B, we, you know, get better at this and get meet more of you guys and have more 
fans and then friends going forward. So uh, this is the start of hopefully something big. Maybe we get a sponsor next year. Woo! Um, more on that later. All right, everyone. We will see you next time. Go Giants. Go Giants.